Hello and welcome to Talking Transatlantic with Selena Kapari in America. And in the United Kingdom, Richard Wilson and uh, one of your great jokes, Richard. Uh, this is the podcast where I say tomato and he says tomato. But I am sure we both say potato as nobody actually says potato. No, only in the song. But as the world remains stuck indoors, we are virtually traveling over the pond to socialize at an acceptable social distance. Uh, but apparently, <laughs> apparently, um, Americans don't call the Atlantic the pond. Is that right, Talina? That is right. I, you just keep saying that. It doesn't work here. But that's okay. So, Richard, how have you been coping under lockdown? Well, I'm still trying to homeschool the kids, and um, it's not going well, so I've given up so they can just stay dumb. <laughs> uh, but the Easter holidays start this weekend, so what I've been doing is a bit of male grooming. <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of male grooming would that be, Richard? Um, well, you know, like trimming nose hairs, ear ear hairs. I I had got the eyebrows as well, and I think I've taken a bit too much off. Oh, that's good. Maybe you should just stop, stop. So, <laughs> well, I'm not going anywhere, so no one's going to see it. <laughs> but that's one of the things of being in this lockdown is you can't go to the hairdressers. What's your hair looking like, Tina? Um, I'm not washing it as much because I will turn gray, and I um. <laughs> That's so Talina's mum laughing. We'll introduce her in a second, but she's chuckling away there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about who we have as a guest in our show today. Oh, go on. Then uh, we, yeah, you, you, you might as well introduce it, Talina, since you're related. Today on our show, we have my own mother, uh, who is a children's book illustrator and professor of art history and film, and she is in isolation in California. So let's say hello to Kathy McCord. Hello. Hello. Hi. It must be really hard being in isolation in California because of that amazing weather. And well, we you're stuck go. inside. We can go out for walks. We can go out for walks. Uh, we stay, you know, social distancing. Peter and I can go for walks. Um, we wear, I still wear my mask when I go out. I go up and we just, as Talina knows, we just were four blocks from the main drag, which is isolated, uh, and everything is closed except there are restaurants that are doing takeout, and you order ahead of time, and they have it ready, and they have it in a bag outside, and you hand them your credit card, or you do that over the phone, and then you pick up your bag and run away. So that's so we are not completely uh, stuck in our house. We um we have uh you know we go out we go we go for a walk because then we'll go crazy and kill each other. You see, <laughs> so they're, 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 the coronavirus will kill us or we'll kill each other. One or the other. So. <laughs> yes, and uh, do they still do those really nice burritos I had when I was over visiting a number of years ago? Our favorite, our favorite taco stand is still open. Yes. Um, Raul's is open, and so we, we, um, but he is very careful 
he has uh you walk up and you you talk to a, a cardboard box <laughs> and, uh, you say, i would like you know a, a fish burrito a carnita burrito and some soup and then you put money in this box and he, and then you get your food in another box and you take your bag out and then the box disappears i mean no human contact whatsoever but but there's a long line uh but we're so it's long because we're five feet apart of course so around the corner of course but we still get our raul's uh burritos and so so but it it's been it's been a trick but we walk, we go for walks let me show you how pretty it is out here yeah you'll have to yeah describe to us how, how pretty it is Yes, it's very beautiful, Mama. The, our, our listeners can't see how beautiful it is. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, oh, that was for you. That was for That's you. That's okay. That's beautiful, though. So, um, well, I just want to describe how beautiful it is because it's been 10 yeah. years since I've been in that garden, but there's just about every tree imaginable growing in the back garden, all producing yeah. beautiful fruit in that California yeah. sunshine. Yes. And avocado trees, which, you know, avocados are very expensive on the East Coast, where I am, and in the UK, people don't eat them as much, but avocados are so expensive. I love avocados. Uh, About a pound each? Yeah. So that would be more or less Mm. for um, an avocado, where in, you know, my mom's backyard, they have avocado trees, so. That is the best place. I will send you avocados, Kalina. I will send you avocados. (laughs) Yeah, get them FedExed over. Um, yeah, that would be $100 for two. Cost-effective. <laughs> Cost-effective. So you were talking about going down to uh, Raul's, getting your, your um, burritos and such. And um, what what we've got in the UK is now that all the all the shops are shut, apart from shops which sell like food or petrol, um, gasoline, I should say. Um, but what they've started doing in the morning between 7 and 8 is they're opening the shop so anyone who works for the NHS, National Health Service, can go and shop because um, before all everybody else gets in because obviously the NHS staff are on the front line fighting the coronavirus and they need a, yes. need a break. So my wife works for the NHS and off she went this morning and she went off at eight, 7 o'clock, came back just after 8 um, with about four bags worth of shopping. And it cost oh. her, yeah, four bags, which which was quite, quite a thing. It cost a hundred and 50 pounds and all she had was four bags and i can't the only thing i can figure out is all the cheap non-branded food has been bought so now the only thing you can get is like the top of brands like we we never we never buy heinz baked beans we buy like some unknown brand but now we're (laughs) yeah tesco tesco baked beans which are (laughs) which are lovely but now we're on Heinz tomato sauce, Heinz baked uh, baked beans, and it's costing us it's costing us a fortune. <laughs> and that's what we were just talking about before because we got our groceries delivered and we spent ninety eight dollars for four bags. And I don't even know what we got. We got some mushrooms, some bread, <laughs> some lettuce. Uh, there's a shortage of blueberries here in New Jersey. No strawberries. So we're just eating what we can. So um, dirt. You're eating dirt. You can eat dirt. Hey, good news though, California. The gasoline prices are like two dollars and fifty cents a gallon. Wow. I haven't seen any 
So if anyone knows the state price, that that is huge because California, it's usually yeah, it's usually four fifty a gallon. Three ninety nine is cheap, but we we get we have cheap gasoline. We have no place to go. <laughs> Yes. I know it's it's really cheap here. The the fuel has gone down. It, it is quite expensive in the UK, um, like petrol and diesel. But it's it is yeah. much cheaper. But I think it's is it one pound twenty a litre? That's I mean that's crazy probably compared to being what one dollar whatever a, a gallon. Um, but yeah, where are we gonna go? Other than my wife will drive to work and back. Well, you could, yeah, you could just drive someplace and come home. You go, oh, that was pretty. And then just, you just, well, you can get out of the house. You can follow your children in the car. And you don't have to wear seatbelts or anything because <coughs> no one else is in the road. They can go crazy in the back seat. They can throw things at each other. Oh, throw joy. Throw things at you. And have a, have a great time. <laughs> they advocate in the seatbelts, but <laughs> No, but the police... Yes, of course. Oh, yes. Public information. It was a joke. Um, the police in the UK. <laughs> the police in the UK are actually stopping people in the cars and asking them where they're going to make sure that they're not making unnecessary trips and breaking the social isolation guidelines, whatever. So yeah. So yeah, the the. You haven't been anywhere for a long time, right? Who me? <laughs> Both of us. Neither of us. Yeah. You? The last place I was was your house. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. the, the last place I've, uh, in the past three weeks, I've been to the the garage, the garage, not what you call it, the filling station, um, to get some, um, to fill up the car, and to a friend's house to drop off some food because they're self-isolating, and that's it. The rest of it has been either, it's just been in this house, in the back garden. So, okay, Richard, and now we have our roundabout <laughs> discussion, correct? Is this what we're, we're moving on to what's found interesting in the news? Oh, yes, yes, it's time for yeah. the news. Okay, so everyone on our show, <laughs> every guest gets to say something that found interesting in the news. I, for one, I, I found this an interesting story, Richard. Go ahead. So, uh, in Beverly Hills, they found a stolen SUV van that had a gun and 192 rolls of toilet paper. <laughs> 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 I well, um, uh, you can't find that funny. <laughs> well, no, it's funny here too. 192 rolls of toilet paper is worth. Is worth its weight in gold. <laughs> but, uh, I think we can't get toilet paper over here. It's been three weeks now. So, I, I mean, I know a lady who has a sister in law that works for Kimberly Clark that's they manufacture toilet paper. And so, if I want to, I have an underground toilet paper. <laughs> it's like story. <laughs> this is what the times have come to. Richard, how so? Did you find anything interesting in the news that you would like to tell what? our wonderful listeners? Yeah, do you know, I found in the news, well, um, I was most intrigued by the Russian alcohol ban. In certain parts of Russia, 
The band, the band, the sale of alcohol in certain parts of Russia after 2 p.m. So um, Moscow's not yet um, got a ban, but certain parts have. I think they're more like places like Siberia where it's maybe slightly depressing. And so they do uh, control the amount of alcohol people drink because they might feel motivated to drink it all the time. But um, so they have, um, they have... Um, banned the, the the use of alcohol and um which is a similar ban to the one my wife is trying my wife laura is trying to uh, enforce in this house because the amount of wine we're drinking um is uh <laughs> is becoming the concern mostly to laura because i'm thinking you know how long can this lockdown go on for i'm surely i can't be damaging my health that much but then again maybe she has got a point as long as she's not buying two bucks chuck at Trader Joe's, that'll kill you. <laughs> no, we've joined a wine club. Very, very British. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is interesting, Tom, and to all our listeners out there, they tried to join the wine club. No, no, we actually successfully joined, and then the next day I went... Yeah. Ah, no, that was the next day. So I went on the next day to see how our order was getting along, and they had a holding page up saying... Due to a, a vast increase in demand for our services, we've had to halt any new memberships and orders. So we got in just before the shutdown. And now we've got it. So we've got a box of 12, 12 um, bottles. Um, and in the first two days, we've, we've drunk three bottles. That's kind of... <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah this, is, this is a marathon, not a sprint. So, well, that was the news. Um, so, what do you as Americans think about the approach towards this situation taken by your president? <sighs> well, let's, let's give that to Kathy because I, my approach is <laughs> so, uh, Mother, what would you like to say? I know what we you know, Peter going football, you'll have a lot to say, but uh, Mom, what would you like to say about uh, your president's approach? Well, you know, there's a lot of blame going on. Apparently, like four months ago, our esteemed president um, decided to block $200 million in some kind of research for pandemic and something like that. And um, because it's never going to happen here. And um, at any rate, uh, yeah, it's gotten very political. But people are, hey, was that Peter? Peter just came in with fish. I'm on the podcast. Um, <laughs> Hi, Peter. Let me ask Peter, how are, how are Americans responding to this? Okay, we te- we'll bring Peter in. Period. Hello. Oh, wait, we have to introduce Peter. Oh, we have a new guest on our podcast. Where is Peter? <gasps> Hi, Peter. Hello. Oh, hello. Hey. Peter, because uh, uh, Richard knows you're the professor of immunology. Is that right? But, yeah. yeah. But your science, what is your actual title, would you say? Research scientist? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so I was actually called a professor, yes. which seemed a little odd because we didn't actually teach any course. I didn't actually teach any That's why I was looking for yeah, I was a research, basic research science. So I have a PhD in chemistry. Okay, because we have some questions. 
at least Richard has some interesting questions for you. So, Peter, what do you think of... Um, so, Kathy was just um, expressing her thoughts on the approach of uh, President Trump. Yeah, so how, what do you feel about that, Peter? Is this a family show? To <laughs> <laughs> so anyone who wants to listen, so you can say whatever you want. No, I think she's a sociopathic, so, let me think, I'm, like, I had this the other day, a sociopathic, narcissistic, uh, uh, what's, the, what's the fancy term for a liar? Um, I, I, liar to me. Really, he just brings a total nincompoop approach to being president. He's got no interest but his own. And secondly, uh, the Republican mostly. Uh, and, and, you know, I think to all the people who, who I would I, I really think, and they used to say that he tells it like it, he tells it like it is, but the truth is, he does not tell it like it is. He, you know, he's just, he lies. He's a pathological liar. He, um, he, he's been sending mixed messages because he said it was like the flu, you shouldn't worry. Then he said we'll be open for Easter, and now he's having to backtrack. And every so often, he, he, it looks like he, he looks like a man who somebody's had to take to one side and sort of explain a few things, and then he comes back and, and, he, and he, he, he suddenly has a completely different message. Yes, yes, he's inconsistent and, and ill informed. You know how he, how he, it's just a disaster, and he's. He's, you know, the law, I mean, in the short term, some of it was fixed by getting him out of office, but he, he and his cronies have appointed a number of uh, very conservative judges to the Supreme Court and to lots of other courts that are going to make the appointments. And those are going to be a long time before that damage is, is undone. So um, this is a word now which the world has been introduced to and it, it but could you peter as a as a as a scientist and an immunologist and a very clever person can you just tell us exactly what is coronavirus yes we all want oh my gosh oh dear well um so coronavirus that's it's it, 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 think of it as a little tiny planet malevolent planet. Uh, in its core, it has nucleic acid, which is what comprises its genetic material. And then on its surface, it has a layer of protein and fat molecules. Um, and it doesn't, unlike a normal cell, it doesn't have any cytoplasm and it doesn't have any way of reproducing itself. So the virus has to attach to some other kind of cell, and there are viruses that infect animals and animal cells, obviously that infects human cells, has to attach to a cell, and then the, the genetic material that is to be introduced into that cell, where it sort of hijacks the cellular machinery to reproduce itself. So it reproduces the nucleic acid and it reproduces the proteins and then it assembles and break out of the cell and get transmitted to other 
by uh, sneezing and coughing and so forth. Does that help? Yeah, it sounds like it's a, it assimilates our bodies. The virus assimilates our cells. Yeah, it, it, it hijacks them. It, can, it uh, takes over a cell and, and turns it. It's yeah, opportunistic. So, I mean, they say it came from wild animals. It came perhaps from, from bats um, and then made that leap into humans. Is this why it's such a new thing which it, because we've, we've got no way we've got no um, medicines we can use at the moment is that because it's that's because it's come from wild animals to, to humans and we've never experienced it before I think that's about right yeah I mean clearly it, it was living in some wild animal uh, I guess I guess it's not clear exactly which one it might have been a bat but there's also speculation about some other animals. It's not clear that it makes those animals particularly sick, whereas clearly it makes well, some of us at least sick. It's never been clear to me why, why the same organism, and this is true of some bacteria as well as viruses, can be pathogens in some species and just sort of benign travelers in others. Um, I think that's a... Yeah, a lot of people are blaming it that uh, about what the Chinese eat. So because now they've banned uh, killing cats and dogs in China to eat for food. So uh, what do you think that has to do with the computer? Like because of the weird. I mean, I shouldn't say weird. What they thought they should eat because they think that well, was like I, was one of the catalysts to the virus. I think that's a problem. I think it's been a problem in a lot of these pandemics. I think Ebola and SARS, and by no means did all of them come from China, but but wild animals are, you know, reservoirs of different pathogens, just to be perfectly honest, as we are reservoirs of pathogens for some animals. Um, it's, you know, it's a great big ecology out there. And in the past, I think these things haven't developed into pandemics because transportation hasn't been so easy. Uh, people have been much more isolated. You know, if, if somebody in a small village somewhere ate, ate or got next to a wild animal and got sick from it, if that person then never went anywhere, that pathogen wouldn't spread. So it's clear that these, you know, these movies, I forget, I think there was one called Contagion, and then also one of the Planet of the Apes movies. You know, they, they document how modern transportation, um, um, you know, it, yeah, spreads these, these things around. Um, it's called, uh, frankly, it's called evolution. So this is very much a modern pandemic then. This is all about the global connection we have. Um, yeah, this is Peter again. Um, well, yes, I guess so. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to think, you know, back in the, about 100 years ago, there was the 
what they call the Spanish flu. Apparently, it had nothing to do with Spain. That's right. Um, but I think it actually came out of Kansas, which I don't quite understand, but there you go. Um, yeah, I think, well, I don't know. I mean, there was the Black Plague, for example, hundreds of years ago, which I think pretty much spread across the globe. It certainly spread all across Europe. Um, I maybe it's that in modern times the, the transportation is so fa much faster that it moves fast. I mean, it's only is it even three months since yeah. we've had since we've had this virus going around, and it's pretty much all around the earth. I don't know if things spread that quickly, you know, in previous times. They've, they've said that there's um, we've reached a milestone of a million confirmed cases because obviously people would have to be tested to know that they've, they've got it and the, the the number could be much higher. But um, I was trying to sort of calculate it and one million of a global population of more than seven billion. This it's a, it's it is. I mean, you know, it's a terrible illness and it's a terrible pandemic, but it's still a, a relatively well a hugely small percentage. Of people who actually do have it. That's true. That's true. It's a it's a big number, but it's in a it's in a, a, a huge pond. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what about a cure then? There's talks yeah. of 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 um. The vaccine, but they say going to take up to a year. Peter, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it will take some time. Um, I think. Um, it um, it's not so easy to know exactly how to make a vaccine, and then of course you have to get it distributed and produced, produced in large quantity and distributed and administered. Um, it just there's just a lot of I don't want to say inertia, but there's a lot of sort of ramping up that has to has to go on, and you have to know that it that it actually works before you give it to everybody. Yeah. Or, or, or that it's not going to make it worse, yeah. Yeah, otherwise you're distributing false hope. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it just takes a while. Do you, yeah. do you think um, pe people have um, talked about herd immunity and some people have taken that as a fence saying it makes us sound like we're cattle. But that's a, that's a medical term, isn't it, herd immunity? And it's a way of... of 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 getting natural immunity to to some to this new disease. Yeah, um, I mean, herd immunity simply means that most of the susceptible population, or a significant fraction of the susceptible population, becomes immune, and that that reduces the transmission of the pathogen. Yeah. Uh, because you know, if I'm immune to it, I can't pass it on to you. Um, and that's that's an important important feature of of modern you know modern medicine generating that herd immunity yeah to make we don't have any of that yet to this virus. Do you think that um, one of the things that we're talking about with the testing is that you can test to see if somebody's got it, but they're also working on a test which can tell if somebody's had it. Could that right. be an interesting tool in 
judging how well a herd immunity might be um, coming in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, there are lots of good things about both those tests, testing if you've got it and testing if you had it. It is a different test. There's no question about that. The testing, if you've got it, detects the genetic material of the virus. And the testing, if you've had it, detects whether you have made antibodies to that virus. So it's, they're, they're tests for very different things. Um, but it would be very useful to know who's had it for several reasons. First of all, you could, you could uh, know more about herd immunity. And secondly, people who have had it and are immune to it could be recruited as healthcare yeah. workers for those who have got it. Um, now, of course, it, you know, just having had it doesn't mean that you're going to be immune to it. That's kind of the, the expectation. You know, if I've had measles or chicken box, I'm not going to get it again. Uh, but I've had seasonal flu, and yeah. I can get seasonal flu again uh, because the seasonal flu mutates. And, and I think we don't know with this virus whether the virus is going to mutate and become invisible to our immune systems even, you know, on a second go-round. So that's another point that has to be established. Yeah, I mean, that, that would, the, hearing that would strike fear into, into a lot of people, I would think, think it, if they were to think that what they, um, uh, that they could get it twice because it would mutate, um, it wouldn't, it would, it would, it, it would, it would just sort of drift slightly, though, a mutation, though, wouldn't it? It wouldn't completely shift into something completely new. Is that right? I think that's right. Yes. It, um, most viruses mutate fairly readily. I, well, I don't know. I was, I mean, certainly the influenza does. Uh, I guess measles and chickenpox don't. Mm-hmm. Polio doesn't. Um, I'm not sure what what the difference is that makes the one mutate faster than the others. Um, but I think it's also true that the pathogens frequently mutate to become less virulent because if they kill too many of their host, then they're not going to survive themselves because there's no place to go. Yeah. So I think they tend to settle down, sort of, and become more of a nuisance than than a big killer. That sounds like a much better um, proposition for the future, that it could actually reduce its intensity naturally, like you say, because... They need human hosts. Well, not they. The, the the virus needs human hosts. Right, right. I mean, that's that's probably what's happened in the wild animals, where apparently is has been living in the past. That probably, you know, whatever, whatever it was living in, it killed off some, and then it kind of mutated enough to reach a truce where it could propagate itself, but not kill off the host. That's. Um, that's 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 its best bet for long-term survival. And it's a and it's a point of hope for us then. I would say so. Yes. You know the uncertainty, and I'm, I'm thinking back to the AIDS crisis. 
Uh, you know, people didn't know how it was transmitted at first. Um, people didn't understand, and then, and then there were no drugs, uh, which is the case with with this with this virus. For a long time with AIDS, there still is no vaccine for AIDS, um, and but we learned to control it through a number of uh, through a lot of, of, of drug research. Uh, and I think there will be ultimately a vaccine for AIDS. Hopefully it's not going to take that long with this virus. But the AIDS problem was particularly vicious because it's a disease of the immune system. This is not a disease of the immune system. It doesn't disable your immune system. I mean, in a way, it, it's disabling the healthcare system by, by infecting physicians and nurses. But, um, you know, it's not, I think it's not, it's not as, it's likely to be resolved much more quickly than the AIDS crisis was. Do you think we've, we've got hope? Oh, of course. Of course there's hope. I mean, there will be drugs that are useful. There will be a vaccine. Um, you know, as you pointed out earlier, a million people have it, but there are eight, seven or eight billion of us on the planet. Um, people, this, you know, this too shall pass. We may not enjoy it very much while it's passing, but uh, but it, it will pass. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think, I mean, the other thing, you know, that's that's positive as opposed to 100 years ago with the Spanish flu is that, you know, we can talk to each other across the ocean. Yeah. A uh, hundred years ago, you know, you might get a letter three months later to say that your granny had died. It could be a lot worse. I mean, you can still FaceTime, you can see your grandchildren, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You can come yeah. on this fabulous podcast, right, Richard? Right, too right. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the downside for me is... Um, the do, the, the, see, when this all started, I thought it was great. It was family time. We were to get, we were, we were able because we've been forced to um, spend family time at home together, and it was great. But it's now getting to a point where it's uh, it's boiling over. The kids are getting bored out of their mind. They're driving me in the uh, and the current Mrs. Wilson up the wall, and and we're um, and then homeschooling is just it, homeschooling what that's done is highlight the lack of respect that my children have for me because they will not listen to a word i say um <coughs> excuse me that, that was a mucusy cough by the way not a dry one <coughs> um, which i've led to believe is is the right cough to have at the moment um so um it, it it is a good point, which a few have been making, is, uh, and which Talina was just making, that if this had happened just 15 years ago, we wouldn't have had these communications. We we, we wouldn't be able to talk um, or, or see each other across an ocean, which is exactly what we're doing now. So thanks for being on the show. Thank you for talking over the, uh, the Atlantic. Hence the name, Talking Transatlantic. <laughs> right? And... Um, so if any of the listeners do want to get in touch, they can, because I happen to be on Twitter and my handle is at Richard W News. But Talina, are you on Twitter? No, I, I'm on Twitter. Baby, so all on? of you, I will not Twitter because I can't get those things. I got Facebook and Instagram. That's that. 
Yeah, we, we, well, you said we could only have so much Talina. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I, I was on a Twitter doc, but it's, it's important that they should contact you. So. Well, they can contact me and I'll pass it on. Yeah, you pass it along. And uh, well, that, so thanks to Peter and Kathy, I'm going to go and reconnect with my family downstairs now. I've been up in the study recording for a little while, um, and World War Three is probably broken out down there. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, and well, thank you, and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Ciao. 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 <laughs>